Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? So wanted to start off with talking about three kind of famous verses that when you look at the Bible in terms of you know, pre-awakening, some of the things that would spawn wonder or made me ask questions, definitely versus that, you know, I didn't have an answer to, but I knew that there was something profound behind the message. And now, you know, fast forward to now, I feel like I have a clear understanding of what they are. So I just wanted to kind of go in detail with all three of them. First one is seek and you shall find uh, knock and the door will be opened. And the kingdom of heaven with, is within. And when I look back now, all of those are like clues And part of the, part of the problem with the Bible that we see, you know, post awakening is that it has a lot of clues in it. It's like a book of clues, but it's also got some messages in there that, you know, however they made it in there per political power of their time or what it may be that, um, doesn't jive with you. But the clues always caught my attention when I was little. And these in particular, like seek and you shall find was one of those, you know, that always stuck with me. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does that really mean? I think what we do best here is, you know, we dive right in. We just don't talk about or say seek and you shall find. And then, you know, you find it out. I We really delve into like personal experiences of you know what we found and what we think the door is and for me seeking you shall find knocking the door will be opened in the kingdom of heaven within all are you know they have the same meaning it's all pointing you in the same direction but the most most important thing for me to express is that it is talking about something tangible. Like it's talking about a tangible experience because, you know, past where I would look at it and, you know, there's a very 3d superficial way seeking you shall find like, you know, throw your hands up and praise and, and see if you get some emotion back. It's so much more deeper than that from what we've discovered and delved into just to go a little more detail the seek and you shall find obviously starts in a place where I wouldn't even call it the mind's eye. I call it like that space where you're looking in meditation as though you're looking into the stars and although you may have thoughts that come in the first step of the awakening you know, knock and the door will be opened is that concentration. 
what me and you have been talking about in the last few episodes is concentration and how how many doors you open, which we understand the rabbit hole is infinity now. It pretty much is an ever-evolving seed. So we're doing a bit of advanced work on training the mind's eye to open that door more. But, but what I'm doing is going back to the very beginning of knocking the door will be open. It is basically meditation, but someone who's suffering, suffering has a huge role in this because you can't, no one really sits down to knock on the door without suffering. It's kind of the same thing. Like a lot of people become church members because they just went through something bad and they need something. But this is on a whole another level of I'm suffering, I have anxiety, I have depression, and I have no idea why. So I'm going to meditate and knock on the door, that spiritual door. What I found was, this is a very tangible experience that I'm sharing as far as, you know, tangible evidence of this. And that's what I don't hear uh, a very lot of it is not just talking about it, but sharing very intimate details about knocking and the door will be open because I remember the first time the door opened and it was profound. And it was because I sat basically in solitude and learned how to quiet the mind and learned how to observe them going by and then at some point there's some type of grace that steps in there's something that almost pulls you to a higher level consciousness and you just sit there with this white love and 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 i don't know other how other to describe it as that my my first consciousness experience meeting consciousness whether However you want to look at it, my word is consciousness. God, whatever, however you want to name that space. But that space was nothing I had ever experienced before. It was one level above thought, which is exactly what the clues say, just without direction. Knock and the door will be opened. When I had no knowledge, and that's why it takes the, the, the help of a spiritual teacher sometimes, and, and the spiritual teacher should never stay like, you know, a guru for long periods of time, because that's all I needed. And a good spiritual teacher just points to, hey, that's what that means. Now focus and concentrate and experience it for yourself, and then you'll be able to go on your merry way. That's what a good spiritual teacher does. Um, so my experience when I, uh, is that when you experience a consciousness for the first time, is that you actually experience like what love is for the first time. And then now you're receiving, which I had never done before. So we've talked about projecting and the receiving you project until you receive and I was getting something and I had no idea what it was, but it was a gift of like my first embrace with consciousness. So uh, from there, 
my understanding in looking back on these three verses is that, you know, they're, they're there as clues, but they're there as, as factual writings, you know, it's, it's very confusing sometimes for someone to read the Bible that doesn't have the understanding of where these things are found because you go looking for love in all the wrong places. It's a famous, probably many songs that have been written over that. So most people spend their whole lives looking for love in the wrong places only because they've never knocked at the door. And then once now, that's why I said the backwards in fact is paradoxical because it's backwards to me, but everything becomes backwards too. You have a different definition of the backwards in fact as far as how your awakening was and you're going backwards as though you're you're going back to that awakening. So it's it's all paradoxical in nature. But the one thing that I just wanted to share and open with was that experience and uh, the fact that if, if someone just tells you one thing, you know, to point you in the right direction, it's an actual place. And then you can actually stop searching for love in all the wrong places. And you, you begin to like express love once you've had that consciousness experience. Now, something comes into you that now you're now you're projecting out to people what your law of attraction is completely different at that point you're no longer attracting the things you attracted before the things that would you know make you feel good or or even a, a lot of ego satisfactions then you start to attract differently in terms of being at the right place to maybe just point somebody in the direction yeah being it, it's a place of suffering i mean we hear multiple people talking about it is is there almost has to be some form of suffering taking place i just i unless someone naturally was awake their whole life you you have some form of suffering that leads you to wanting to even knock on the door, but someone, what, 95% of people who are suffering, they don't really knock at the door. They, they seek outward things to try to fix what, you know, the kingdom of heaven within seek and you shall find. So it's, it's all, it's all there. It's just, we have, we have puzzles and pieces to the puzzle but we don't always have, you know, everything to put it together. Yeah, I mean, with those verses, because it's, especially seeking, you shall find. I mean, I try to imagine, like, what's the type of person where that's going through your mind? And I, I think suffering is definitely one of the triggers. I just, and the, looking back on it in hindsight you can see it but it would be so hard for somebody in suffering to under to interpret that correctly because there's so many groups whether those are religious groups there's all kinds of different groups and they're so welcoming and so helpful to people that are suffering in terms of accepting them and giving them all kinds of food for thought about 
how, you know, their suffering isn't their fault and there's stuff that this group can do to ease their suffering. But the reality is until somebody's ready to sit down and take 100% accountability for their own suffering, they're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, for for me, um, yeah, just just. Where'd you get the accountability from? The accountability. How did you know it was up to you? So my first spiritual teacher. Yeah, I mean, so you just had to hear what basically I just said, and then it resonated. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's that's probably why you we have different styles of speaking because I know that there's people out there that hear a voice like your justification system had outsmarted you. Yeah. So my heart valve was still open, which is kind of insane because you, your heart valve can be opening, but you still be asleep. So there's people walking around with that heart valve open, but still be asleep. So, but if you, those people get walked all over, correct? Yeah. 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 Because you can have, you know, sorry, the dog's going crazy. But (laughs) you can have, uh, um, I mean, it, it, it's it's just this way. There's good and bad things to your justification system. There's good and bad things to the heart valve open. It's not all completely bad. You got a ton of good stuff. You still you still are seeing things. See, even before I awoke, awoke I still saw things a, a certain way. Maybe that's why I knew there was an awakening out there because I still saw that there was something more. I didn't know exactly how to knock at the door, but I intuitively knew that there was something past the threshold of the facade of the matrix that we are being shown because of that, you know, open heart valve. I I was at some, some degree receiving something, but I tell you, like I told you before, when I, when I heard truth and I was asleep, bam, it was like, it just, yeah. It hit me like I I knew I knew a hundred percent that, and I guess that's what you're talking about as far as yeah. If you have an open heart, trusting or whatever is is, but when you hear truth, that trust is like unbreakable. It's like oh my god, like that's like wow. I. Maybe I, I had an open heart and you trust people you shouldn't have trusted. But when you hear a voice of truth and you're like, oh, that's that's the trust I'm looking for. Someone just pierced my heart and they're like, that's the door. That's what I was looking for now. And there was no harm because it was in solitude. It was like, OK, I it was completely experiential, like experimenting, like it was I trusted that someone said, this is where the door is. And I'll go knock down it. And, you know, as I continued to meditate, it was freeing and it was painful, but I knew like intuitively that that was a path there, even though it was suffering. 
And then, you know, what tipped me over the edge was the best advice I have ever received, which was go towards the pain. Right. And most people who are suffering look to dim the pain. That's a very stark contrast. I know it seems so simple, but that's the main difference. The main difference is most people try to dim the pain with whatever we have on the market. Everybody knows that's even if it's a doctor saying you're okay the way you are. I mean, it's that's still dimming the pain. If you go to, you know, a psychiatrist and they um, you just talk it out, you do feel better. That is dimming the pain. And there is getting it out. There's nothing wrong with that because there's different forms of dimming the pain. But if you really want to do the inner work, you really want to do the knock and the door will be opened. That is going towards the pain, at least in the beginning, or at least your cane starter, unless you're cane starter. <laughs> and that is where the backwards effect becomes paradoxical because if you have what we would call a deck of cards falling down then but that's the beautiful thing like osha said like everything's paradoxical in the spiritual world like it's completely that way yeah that's why i just try to imagine people and i just try to go back and understand or just you know relationships and people like there's, I, I feel like there's not a lot of people that are even remotely interested in taking personal accountability. Like their entire persona is trying to figure out how to blame the stuff around them. It just seems like it's such a system working against you that I, it's, it's very hard for me to see how, how it, somebody is able to crack through well yeah i i'm i have full understanding that i may be talking to a very small audience a handful of people you know on the you know that are at the max of suffering the masses yeah it's not yeah you know speaking to a crowd of ten thousand people you just you might pierce the heart of one person that i was at the max of their suffering is like okay that's enough. But I totally, I mean, I've spoken to many people that have never, I know what I'm saying is going in one ear and out the other. I I mean, I get it. I get when nothing's penetrating. You know, a hundred percent. But if you want to laser in and if there is somebody and you want to laser in, like what is the message to that one person? And the message is personal accountability. How do they start to recognize that personal personal accountability? And I would just throw in with that question that you, before you even meditate and before you even um, start to go at things with discipline, I mean, the first thing of awareness is to realize that there's absolutely nothing that happens out there that there is not internal control over. So somebody makes you angry, somebody makes you lustful, somebody makes you hungry, somebody makes you whatever, all those feelings all the time are coming up inside of you. 
Like that's the first thing to take notice of to try to laser in on what would be the first step to taking personal accountability. That nobody else is responsible for what you're going through in inside of you right now. You have to take responsibility for that. But if you look closely, you can tangibly start to understand that. Yeah, that's that's really really fair. I mean, you're you're definitely adding the what someone would look at it from from an intellectual side for sure. Um, I would just throw a test out there for anyone that was questioning whether or not they were asleep or awake is to close your eyes and see if you're able to not get lost in thought and then try to pick up. Cause the first thing is what's going to happen is you, if you listen really, really closely is if you close your eyes and before when I wasn't good at being objective to my mind, then I wouldn't even notice I was in a thought until five minutes later. Right. So the first really real experience is closing your eyes and practicing meditation. But you know, we talk about waking up in a dream and waking up in the astral. The first thing you got to do is, and you're talking about, yeah, the very first step, personal accountability, like the very, but then like, okay, you made the decision. Who am I? Am I, am I going to do the test of how asleep am I? That's, that's what we're doing now. But, but check it out though. Like the very first time, like in the 3d, like no consciousness, you're just asleep is one, you know how we, we feel like we're waking up in a dream. But it's the same way here, except it's a really dense place. So it's really not, not say easier, but it all comes down to concentration and discipline and awareness. So if you have somewhat of determination to not suffer, that puts you in a seat and then shut your eyes and you know, become still there's, there's different things you can do grounding with your hand and, and the breath, but notice how long it takes you to realize that you're in a thought. And then if it's five minutes, be grateful that you woke up five minutes later. And then all you have to do is hone in on that time gap. The more you do it, the more you get better. Maybe you fell asleep for three minutes or then one minute. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm present. And then all of a sudden there's a gateway. And then all, all of a sudden, okay, I'm drawing consciousness near. I didn't realize that the thoughts that were drowning me out is not allowing consciousness in and then once once that gap just like we're doing in the dream work now once that gap is closed and you master it here and then you experience consciousness for the first time now you're on your way it's just nobody gets past that first step and it's it is personal accountability 
you're not happy the way you behave, you have compulsive behavior, you have um, looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, you, you, you know these things, you're intuitive to it, but you don't have, you know, the personal accountability to do it, you're, you're not going to get there. Eckhart Tolle has a really good line that's relevant right now. And I don't know that I'm quoting him verbatim, but it goes something like, as soon as you decide to be conscious at that moment, it emerges. And I love the way he uses emerge there because it's, that's the clue that it's just beginning. Yeah, because he, he, uh, consciousness is like there's going to be probably a many a times where there was in my personal experience that I thought I was conscious that you're you're on the right path, but you have not experienced like the source consciousness yet that really gives you the grace and the gift to like receive that. Um, but yeah, you can't, you can't experience that without. It's hard for me, from my perspective, because other people have different ways in awakening in your case, but in my case, I couldn't experience it without, diving in that way yeah it's weird because as you talk like i i feel like you're describing stuff that i'm going through like even right now it's almost like like you were saying related to dreams and related to other experiences and right right now in my meditation which i've been getting fairly some some decent discipline going on but it's almost like the same exact thing all over again, where I'm, I'm meditating. And what I'm doing is I'm practicing the uh, retrospection, which is just a fancy way of saying that I'm going back briefly uh, to the beginning of my day and I'm trying to go through and make sure I was on point with all of my um, ways of relating with people, ways of relating with myself. And, but you're, you're running like a detail in the mind's eye. So I mean, that's one of the purposes for it is, is you're getting the mind's eye training. But the re the reason I bring it up is as I'm doing that. So I've got a good retrospection going. So I'm, I've, begun my meditation so i've done my pranayama i've done my relaxation and now i'm running in the mind's eye playing the very recent history back i will go so unconscious during those sessions it's unbelievable and i'll, I'll catch myself fairly quickly but it's to the point where i come back and i don't remember where i just was so it would be as if like I'm writing a sentence down and let's say, okay, I'm writing, I'm on the T of write as I write this sentence down and the pen just goes off 
and starts to draw something. And then I'm like, whoa. And then as soon like that snapback, I can't even remember what it was where I just went. It's like consciousness concentrate. Because I feel super present and projecting when I'm doing it. But then I, I, I can't tell if these are, um, you know, reflections that I'm supposed to be able to engage with at some point or whatever. But I completely lose my will and lose like the idea of what I'm doing. But what's so interesting to me, it's like moving forward. It's like right back in that same scenario that you're describing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean that's that that is uh, until until you reach uh, the states that we're talking about. Um, it is something that's ongoing. I think for everybody on the path, um, you're saying that you experience those during meditation. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's during the retrospection. So as soon as I turned the mind's eye on, and again, like we were on to this a couple episodes ago, talking about having to have that balance. So the balance is off. Like as soon as I start to projection, the mind's eye opens up probably too much, I guess. And one little distraction, my whole identification will go into it. And that, but it's so hard that I completely lose track of what I was just doing, which was retrospection. So I'm like off the rails and it doesn't last for very long. I'm talking about maybe like, maybe the longest would be, I mean, less than a minute for sure. And then you crash back, but I crash back so hard. And then it reminds me of waking up in the morning. And maybe that's what I'm saying. I'm falling asleep when I meditate. But as soon as it happens, like I have a hard time remembering what just happened. So, yeah, no, I. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. I mean, I've, I've definitely had those experiences before and. I mean, all I can say to that is that you're, um, the fact that you wake up to it, I mean, and the more that anyone practices meditation, that's, that's what the goal is to get really good at that. Um, cause I mean, yeah. if I sit down to meditate, when I first get into it, like the first couple of minutes, my mind's going to wander till I really start to. Right. get into it so that's first two or three minutes and then you know sometimes i have uh meditation sessions where i don't feel like i went deep enough and i'm like well i it it didn't really have me too long at any particular time but you just keep getting drawn off you just keep getting drawn off you just keep getting i'm like well is this meditation going to be serious or is it not, are we just going right. to be, but I, I mean, I think one of the things that I had always learned is no matter whether you think it's successful or not successful, 
it's just about the process of continuing to do it because grading your meditation at the end, I think is one of the worst things you can do. It's about sincerity and concentration. And even if you think that meditation was somewhat of a failure, it it's really not because it's all training. And the, if, if you didn't send, if you didn't meditate and sit down, you'd be even that much worse the next time. So it, it has a effect where, you, you just continue to work through it on the path. Um, but I, I, as, as the level we're going through, I think you get to a point where distractions are no more. It's just uh, at the level that we're at in meditation, you, you know, we feel like we're playing in the hell realms for sure. I mean, for the record, like I haven't graded it on myself. Um, um, when that's happening and I am catching myself, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's so stark. It's, it's such a, it's such a derailment of my conscious will at that moment that it's just, it's very jarring. And I feel like I, maybe I should be trying to like, like follow it off the rails a little bit, but I, I can't really, um, I can't maintain that switch. I can't maintain it like going off the rails, like it loses me somehow. And so I'm not at all um, judging it as terms of a good thing or a bad thing. But as you were talking before, you were just reminding me of it. It's like you were describing what's been going through with me right now, because I haven't told you about that yet. But it it does sound very similar to like somebody first starting. And I'm not saying that I'm first starting, like I'm not trying to put myself all the way back to the beginning, but it's, it's funny. Like after you relax and you get in the real deep meditation and you are mechanically with your will working with the mind's eye, like at that, at that point, there's, it's like concentrated consciousness and you you are susceptible to a, I, I mean, just a, a severe knockout of unconsciousness can happen at, at that moment. But it, as you were talking before, it just reminded me of that moment. I'm like, that's what I'm trying to break through right now is what you, so I'm trying to like catch it right when it happens. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I get right when it happens, I got it. But I feel like I, a lot of times I don't catch it and it goes a little bit of the way. And when it gets away from me a little bit, like I can't believe how quickly the narrative develops and then you come back and it's like, I mean, it's the definition of unconsciousness. from my point of view here but it's weird like how do you reach a definition of unconsciousness in <laughs> a year and a couple months into a disciplined meditative um um devotion you know and uh, like i found another route of unconsciousness like way in there it's weird Yeah, sometimes I, I mean, 
That happens to me a lot in the dreams. I think I told you about that. Yeah. Where? No, you know when it happens to me? Right when I'm falling asleep. That's what we talked yeah. about. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. when I drift off to sleep. So, yeah, that's that's actually a good a good thing to talk about when I'm, when I'm drifting off to sleep, I knew that there was like one thing I focused on, which was, you know, center. Um, basically even back to what I used to do as a kid, I used to focus on not necessarily one small point, like an atom, you'll kind of drive yourself crazy, but one area right in the center of your forehead and look down that lane and it kind of forms into like a tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought that that's like some type of wormhole for your consciousness. So I focus on their consciousness or being conscious while I fall asleep. There's times when I fall asleep that I feel like I was somewhere or in something just like what you're talking about with meditation. And I think it's probably because you're tired during meditation too. Like you drift off. Well, you're working with, I mean, because I'm talking, this is like deep into the meditation. So I've already, like I've spent the time to relax the body. I've already done the breath work. So, So... the way I understand it, and maybe I, I don't have it right, but you, you, you are kind of putting yourself in that lethargic state because that's the state of closest to consciousness. I'm just saying when it switches, whatever that switch is, it becomes very clear to me like, oh, that's, that's why I can't work in the dreams the way that I want to or astral project the way that I want. Like I can see the switch happening and my will and my consciousness like doesn't pass that threshold clearly. So I'm seeing a difference too, like what you're talking about too. Cause I I've, I've experienced that what you're talking about. It's like trying to bring the consciousness to other dimensions and then you pop back for a second in the mind, you're awake. It doesn't let you bring back that memory. But you know intuitively that you were just either talking to someone. So that Yeah. Yeah, that's more of that's more of our our work as far as consciousness to other dimensions. But I think that's a little more advanced where you're talking about as far as like a beginner, like someone who closes their eyes, like right. a thought of like, you know, anything. Normally it's something to do with lust or gluttony or right um, anger. Someone provoked you that day. What, what happens when someone provokes you and you react to it? Now you sit down to meditate and you're getting revenge in your mind like the whole time you're going off into that revenge thought that's more of the that's the suffering the separation Correct, yeah. is suffering like in the beginning someone sitting down is like when you come home and you think you didn't react to someone who provoked you your sleep state 
is getting revenge in your mind and you don't even realize it. But that separation, that's why I always heard the, the, the verse, judge lest you be judged. I never really understood that because most people right. think like judgment is like, you know, looking at someone doing a bad act and saying, no, you shouldn't do that. That's perfectly fine to tell someone that. But that whole verse means like the revenge is not yours. It's not, it's not even, it's not, it's not even an energy thing with you. As soon as you do that, you give up your energy. As soon as that you do, you, you're judged. Like as soon as you get revenge in your head, like you're sitting at home and you're lost in thought. So what does that do? That's separation. So that's suffering. That's anxiety. That anxiety leads to depression because you have the suffering or it could be lust or take your pick. But that's what I was talking about being wrapped up in the thoughts. Normally they're tied to one of the seven as far as um, that first beginning stage of how do you get to consciousness? How do you get to consciousness? And yeah, that judge lest you be judged was huge for me when I awakened because I was like, oh, so I mean, I, I didn't understand because most of the people in religious groups, they tell you, like, if someone was doing something bad and you said that was bad, that you were judging them. Like, right. in, in, and now I understand that if you see someone doing something bad, you can say, hey, you know, that's not good. Not that I would or even care to say that, but I'm saying if you calmly walked up to someone and said, hey, what you're doing is bad for you and you did that calmly. It's absolutely like it's just a nice gesture by you, whether or not the person takes them, not whether or not you even want to say that to a person. But that's not judgment. Right. Judgment is always in the mind. Always. And, and then it creates that separation. And it's a sleep state. Yes. Yeah. And that at the beginning, it's. Yeah, you're always caught in like some kind of judgment. You're always caught like what people might be thinking about you or I mean, you're always caught. And you said it a while ago. I mean, the best the Ferris wheel of pain was the was the best clue, because in terms of the first part of realizing your own thoughts, I mean, whatever you're dealing with, if you're suffering, it's a certainty that it's going to come around in a cycle. So it's just, it just keeps coming around. It's like, what did I do to this guy? And then what did I do to this guy? And then what I like, you've been over it like many, many times already, but you just keep doing it over and over. And that's your clue that that's your moment of accountability to like, okay, I can, I need to, not stop that from happening, but I need to realize that that's happening. I need to be aware that that's happening. And then you just become conscious of, oh, this just keeps coming up and I just keep getting upset every single time. But that's at the beginning, that's what the great process is, is just and It's just awareness of the cycle. And as soon as you become aware of the cycle, you will 
lessen your suffering quite a bit. Yeah, and for me, and the that's that's something I wanted to talk to you about too, because that first consciousness experience for me had nothing to do with the mind's eye in terms of how I felt and what I saw it as. It was a space. Now I'm we're doing more advanced mind's eye work, and I'm I've opened up the mind's eye more now and understand that the portal door is is huge but my first uh, experience with consciousness was like being raised up like a baby into this space that i couldn't stay there forever but it was like a space there was no images there was no uh, no portal I went through in the mind's eye. It was just a white energy that was love. So my, a lot of times in meditation, I contemplate, am I focusing on the portal of the mind's eye? Or am I focusing on receiving that love in that pure state? So I'm always kind of contemplating the two. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because really, I mean, my big revelations don't have anything to do with the mind's eye either. I mean, that's not what got me to where I am now. It wasn't a mind's eye moment. Um, So yeah, I agree that like the focus on the mind's eye in terms of like any kind of intellectual focus in terms of pointing somebody in the direction at the beginning. I I think the focus for the mind's eye is like after you have a, um, a devoted meditative discipline, but yeah, at the beginning, um, it's that awareness of your own cycle of suffering and your own personal accountability. And then if you don't think you're suffering or if you think everything's hunky dory, then just sit down and see if you can be quiet with yourself. Like there's not a lot of people that can even do that. Just sit down and be quiet. Even if they don't even think they're suffering and you can start to see the cycle of thoughts and a lot of times the suffering is masked because the way we normally think about suffering is like, oh, that person is suffering. But for me, like the suffering was, I'm not going to sit down and spend any time because I've got beer to drink and video games to play and a movie to see. Like there's always something, a carrot that's going to get you off your ass and into motion doing something that's going to be more relevant. But the way you work with that is every time you sit down, even if it's not a Ferris wheel of pain, it's like a Ferris wheel of pleasure. And anytime you sit down, you'll have whatever excuse you can think of that's more fun to get up. And then if you do it enough times, you're like, damn, I can't sit down for 10 minutes without 
thinking about what else I need to do instead of sitting down. That's a good point. The Ferris wheel of pleasure. Yeah. You had built a Ferris wheel of pleasure. I mean, that's, it's kind of the woe to the rich man type thing too, making your life so comfortable. Not that, I mean, I guess, you know, where we live, everyone's considered pretty well off as far as being able to do things that keep you comfortable. So that warning in terms of looking at it globally, you know, that would be for people like me and you who have our essentials met and are able to be somewhat comfortable. I think that's what the warning is for because you, you can set up a level of comfort that, you know, meditation doesn't stand a chance. Uh, Well, yeah. And then your clue, then your like cycle clue is, is the impossibility of it. Like, you mean to tell me every time I sit down to meditate, it's completely impossible because my thoughts just hit me like a, like a complete storm. Like you can't give yourself 10 minutes of like peace and quiet. And then, you know, chalk it up as, well, maybe next time, maybe next time, maybe next time. Sooner or later, like, you got to be able to get 10 minutes, right? You can't do it. You can't do it. How come I can't get 10 minutes of peace and quiet in my own head? 10 minutes doesn't seem like it's asking for a lot. It's very indicative of the place that we live at. I mean, I've often said many times that... um, we are the dense place for hell. You have passing away unconscious, which is the fifth dimension of hell, but we are the three dimensional version of hell. Like it doesn't get any worse as far as suffering other than what it is right now, in my opinion, knowing the levels of dimension, because even, you know, uh, uh, you pass away here unconsciously. I, I was here in Osho talk about this today. And it's, um, it was, it was really profound what he said. He's like, if you, if you pass away unconsciously, you just end up in another womb. Because that's just how, um, you wouldn't be able to fathom that kind of decision is the way, way it was put. But I, I take words from KK too, like her experiences in her dream world. And it seems to me that she's really awake there. And I know the place is full of asleep people because they ignore you. And when people ignore you in the higher dimensions, like the fifth dimension, then that's, that here you can speak and they hear you, but they don't hear you. There you speak and they don't even hear a word. Like it's just like you're not even talking. Yeah. So it's like literally sleepwalking. Yeah. I thought it was interesting the way Osho put it. Someone who is conscious knows exactly how to die and actually looks forward to the beginning 
uh, and understands that life and death are no different and that there's no such thing. But the per the unconscious person, the ego person just puts, puts that repeat on. <laughs> it's like, okay, right. We'll just put it on repeat. But can you argue with the fact that we're not in, we talk about hell realms, but you talk about suffering and you just said like what the vast majority of people would say is, is they cannot, will not have too much in the way for sitting down for 10 minutes, three times a day to go within and to knock on the door of eternal life and knowing that information, they will not do it. You tell me right. where we're at. Tell me. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It makes me wonder if there's, um, if there's some kind of like fractal understanding of like the deeper meditation stuff, it just, it seems too coincidental that you brought it up like that in terms of what I'm dealing with. Like there's, there's all these practical understandings. Um, I mean, Osho talks about that too, where it's like truth, but truth isn't static. Truth is dynamic. So there's truth, but there's always a higher truth. And I'll give you an example. In, um, Osho says that so an absolute truth, and this is from Osho, you are born completely alone. And you die completely alone. That's a truth. But Osho says that there is a higher truth. And he says, come and see me when you understand you're really not coming and going. So there's always like these fractal truths. So I'm curious like how the beginning of meditation and the beginning of meditation practice relates to pushing deeper into the meditation practice. Because when you first started talking, I, mean, I felt like you were talking like directly to me. It was very weird. Don't make me say entity. <laughs> yeah. I want to say that to someone else again in my life. It's got to present itself at this point. But what was the, what was there? There was a lot of suffering. Suffering. At that moment, yeah, it's definitely a lot of suffering. It's a lot of... Um, it, I mean, it was manifested as more frustration. There was a huge amount of confidence. There's a huge amount of pride. 
but as if like I'm supposed to be able to handle this. So it was like that frustration is what. Because I was noticing the cycle. Like the cycle was blaring. And I'm just sitting there watching it. For. I mean, it seemed like a long time. I mean, it was only like three days, but I mean, you, you would have to understand I was always better than that. So not claiming like um, some kind of psychological genius or anything. But my point is like I had always done it faster than that. And so when it lingered, I got more and more desperate as as time went on. And that's when um, it, it's like nothing I did would break the cycle. It's like, so, I mean, you, you end up trying like, okay, there's the angry thought. And every time the angry thought comes, I'm going to make sure I, I'm going to put three good thoughts right behind the angry thought. And that's going to do it. I'm going to force three good thoughts. And you, know, you get all these like real like force feeding maneuvers that you're trying to psychologically taekwondo yourself into. But you don't realize how much effort you're putting into it. You don't realize like how much energy and effort you're putting into the cycle now. That's the part I didn't understand. So like the cycle's going, I'm just sitting there spinning it, you know, I'm spinning with it and I'm just watching it spin fast. And I'm just, I'm everything I do. I'm, putting more and more energy into that spinning of the cycle. And then it was just completely out of control. Like there was nothing I could do. It was just smacking me constantly. Yeah. The judge, uh, everything, everything is pointing me back to that grocery store. Cause we, we mentioned judgment in here. And one of the most profound things you told me, uh, like the next day or a couple of days after was, uh, when you walked into like a popular retail store with a lot of people, you're like, all I didn't realize all I had to do was drop my judgment. Oh yeah. And, yeah. but that, that is like to go into a retail store that's, you know, got a lot of people into it and lurk around without judgment when, you know, so that's, that's a characteristic of, lingering effects of what's in the mind so you got that in the mind like say you've done you know your wheel for many many years and a lot of that wheel has anger a lot of that wheel has like uh people that provoked or 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 anything like that and then you know, you have that wheel and you walk into a popular retail store with a lot of people in it and you like cast your wheel of projection and you look at everyone in this judgment thing. And when that it was profound for me, I remember back in the day when I walked in the grocery store because I had moments where like, you know, you, you walk into a, a, a big retail store too. And for me, I had like, anxiety like just walking in the store like it was weird it's it was stupid it was frivolous just like what you're talking about it's like i'm a grown man i can walk into the store without like feeling anxious what is wrong with me when i experienced it for the first time and i walked into the store i was like okay 
I don't feel shit. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like just walking around like light as a feather. Like, uh, this is, this is pretty profound. Um, but I totally understand. And I, even to this day, I'm reminded by your story. When I walk into like a large place or I'm at the grocery store, I'll just look at all the heads around and I'll just have a moment of gratitude. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like I can look at many different people, many different shapes and sizes, many different cultures. And I have nothing in me, but just casting out whatever I'm casting out. It has the ability to be very aware too. Like you're, you're like a freaking, um, spider senses. I can see everything happening. I mean, I feel like if there's anyone suspicious in the store, I feel like I'm sniffing them out from a hundred yards away. I can see it so clearly. Yeah. Yeah. It does give you spider sense. Um, it, it, yeah, because people will pass now and like you've got you, you're so lighthearted and like people will pass. And like what I've noticed recently is because I, I think a lot of it is I'm tr- with the discipline uh, meditation, like you're really working on the relaxation and like you can feel like finally when your face relaxes and everything. But you like you walk by somebody, you can just see the tension in them. and it it's just it's just sorrow it's just it's, you just want to grab them and shake them and be like you just got to relax you just got to relax and it doesn't feel judgmental or anything but you see all kinds of stuff that you didn't see before it's discernment and, yeah discernment over that that was the big learning was from what's the difference between discernment and judgment because right. walking around awake you see anger you see uh, yeah, pride. You see, uh, impatience. You see, you see a ton of thing like that, and being able to discern and be like, well, that's an impatient person, right? And even when I, if I say that in my head, I know that's not judgment. I know that's not judgment because you're 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 going to see the behaviors of many people around you, especially that you don't know in a public place. That behavior is going to be bizarre. And it's going to be bizarre to you're going to look at it through a veil that you never looked at it before. And it's like, you're going to, you're going to say what it is, even if it's to your, to yourself, like, right. wow, that person's impatient, but right. discernment, um, it's way different than, than judgment. The judgment is yeah. something that festers. And it's like a virus. Yeah. And for me, I, I really don't even even try to label it in in terms of like what it is. It's just it's everything is relaxation and tension. And it it's funny because now somebody will pass you that's relaxed, and like there's a moment there, like when two relaxed people pass each other, like they can tell. But the like the ones that hold like tons of tension, like that tons of tension in their face, it's almost like they don't even know you're there. They just like go by you like you're a ghost it's fun it's uh it's, there's some interesting experiences now for sure yeah i would say if you get to the degree that you're that asleep here it uh, in my view it doesn't get any worse than being that asleep 
here as though, you know, as though you're in the astral and you can't hear someone. If you get to that particular level of, of unconsciousness here, there's, I don't think there's any worse, worse place to be of suffering that, that you could, I mean, it doesn't get any more denser, denser than being you right here, right now. Doesn't get any, you know, I, I think that's when, when I look at the heaven and hell phenomenon, like what we've learned as kids and, and what I see now, I look at heaven and hell now as dimensional, but like denseness, like, um, the densest place being the most suffering, the least understanding, the uh, test place, for lack of a better word, the um, the place for the first question to be born of who am I out of suffering. Because everything, like the further, like the death to new life from here is you already know even if you're in hell you can create a place that feels and looks like heaven there's many people that are going to create their own space that is like heaven so that's really a dimensional hell but it's further along than 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 3d See what I'm saying? Like I look at heaven and hell as dense or less dense. And as soon as we pass on from here, we go to less dense and less dense and less dense. And, and my guess is, you know, all the way to some type of pure consciousness that we really can't even fathom in the 3d or I know Samuel and we're as in, and Jesus, maybe that's, I'm not sure what dimension that is, but whether that happens, you know, and then you you go around the loop again, I have no idea. Oh.